Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Second Chance Cinema called Be Kind, Rewind, where we have recut, re-edited our first season episodes and are redistributing them along with our second season. Just a quick reminder that we do curse, we spoil movie endings, and we sometimes have ADD. Furthermore, our hosts do not censor our content. We invite all of our audience members to engage in whatever conversation we have, however they wish. Stay tuned to the bumper at the end to find out how to get a hold of us. But for now, let's have some good fun as we uncover another wonderful hidden cinema gem. The time has come, Gypsy. You stand upon the brink of the abyss. Yet even now, it is not too late. I can save you from the flames of this world and the next. Choose me or the fire. Enjoy the show. The Gypsy Esmeralda has refused to recant. This evil witch has put the soul of every citizen in Paris in Come on, Quasi, snap out of it! Your friends are down there. It's all my fault. You gotta break these chains! I can't. I tried. What difference would it make? But you can't let Frollo win. He already has. So you're giving up? That's it? These chains aren't what's holding you back, Quasimodo. Leave me alone. Okay. Okay, Quasi. We'll leave you alone. After all, we're only made out of stone. We just thought maybe you were made of something stronger. All right, welcome back. Happy Halloween, bro. Happy Halloween. Today How are you? Is October 31st? Devil's Night? Or 2018? Was that last night? I think, no, Devil's Night is the night of Halloween's Eve. Tomorrow is Hallows, I guess. Mm, yeah, you're right. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. So tonight is Devil's Night, I suppose. So yeah, it's been a little while. And I feel like we're I'm getting more comfortable because, you know, our audience so far are really nice people. Are and they? like yeah, well I mean I we I did not get the blowback that I thought we might get with the Gremlins two episode. No. Oh. And like the big hit when it came to our conversation about guns. Oh. I was like, man, I think we're you know, we guns. have a lot of patient individuals listening to us. We got a very nice compliment from a handsome latin american man named rudy oh yeah he said that he enjoyed our show <laughs> he did he did uh absconce me is that proper proper english for saying that i was saying transforming admonish admonish abscon means to go away from really yes oh my gosh you are so smart like before so you before you abscond from my house today i was gonna <laughs> ask for your help moving a piece of furniture ah, um, i shall do that before i absconce i don't know if that's a word i know sconce is a word sconce is like a decorative thing you put on the wall and that... i know that because a girl i dated in new york <laughs> had a literal shit fit that i didn't get her one when she asked me to what so i'll never forget that i shouldn't say literal shit fit she didn't shit her pants or anything but it was as far as red flags go it was pretty bright i think that's the first time that i thought about shit fit literally <laughs> yeah well as i said it i thought this is not the right way this is not the right phrasing but ew yeah I got if the anybody had a shit fit <laughs> it would be like, it. I, oh no i've seen it happen you can google it it's there's youtube videos <laughs> yeah. so anyway before we get into um the movie here and i don't think i think the last thing that we said was we're not keeping it secret no we'll, we'll shroud it in a little mystery this movie came out in 1994 Six or 94? 96. 96. Okay, 96. I believe it was the 34th Disney animated feature. Yes. To say it flew kind of under the radar, even though it made a lot of money, is 
a bit of an understatement because I had honestly forgotten it existed until you suggested it. Right. I had never seen it, watched it half last night at like 1 a.m. while I was waiting to see if a possum was <laughs> stuck between the planter boxes. He crawled in there, and I felt really bad because I took the dog out to go to the bathroom, and we scared him. He hangs around there all the time, and he quick clambered in between the planter boxes on the deck, but he's putting on his winter weight so he sort of had to struggle and his little feet were kicking and eventually he you know wedged himself in there but i thought man is he stuck so i watched him for about three hours checking on him and checking on him checking on him he didn't really move i poked him with a broom and the whole time i'm like this is he's a possum so he's good at this (laughs) playing dead (laughs) and i don't know what's gonna happen long story short uh he got out and i was up till about three o'clock in the morning but i did watch half of this movie and then i finished it up this morning and all of the questions I had last night when I went to bed mm-hmm. remain unanswered. Really? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know I don't know if questions is the best way, but just more like and it's not even nitpicks, it's more like things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> about this movie okay so what movie are we talking about we're talking about the hunchback of notre dame disney's hunchback which like i said for me flew completely under the radar it was what what was it between lion king and aladdin 96 no aladdin was 92 so lion king and lion king and toy story yeah the birth of pixar okay so so this was the last so this okay so that's even more interesting that's so this is like the last old school disney animated feature it's probably tarzan Oh, that's right. And then there was a frog princess. Princess and the frog. Like princess and the right. frog. But this one, like, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, like, Pixar came and the game changed. So this, to me, th- when I was watching it, it struck me very, very much like Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. I mean, the obvious similarity is France and <laughs> castles and stuff like that. Belle also makes an appearance. I, yep. I did I did read that, and then I noticed it. Right. And it was actually the, pretty noticeable. The carpet from Aladdin. I didn't see that one. The carpet from Aladdin is or in the Pumbaa same the same scene. Pumbaa's being, I guess, eaten. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Notice that he was supposed to be like he's on a spit and he's like being That's carried terrible. through the. I mean, he doesn't. He's apparently still alive in the scene, but he's about to meet his end. That's terrible. So Disney's Hunchback. Do you say it Notre Dame or Notre Dame? I say Notre Dame. All right, I'm going to say it Notre Dame just so we appeal to both right. parts of the audience. Notre Dame's super Cleveland. Yeah, that's that's true. That's yeah. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and play the trailer for the movie. Mm-hmm. And while we do, I'm going to. Are you going to join on this one, or is that just a one-time deal? I wasn't planning on it, but I can. Sure, man. I'll get you a pencil. So I mean, I have a full notebook and oh, yeah, oh but yeah, you're right. if I will. So we're going to go ahead and play the trailer, and I'm going to uh, well, we're both going to write a haiku describing the movie, and a haiku, of course, dates back to prehistoric caveman times when Japanese cavemen would draw on the walls and try to amuse each other with dirty pictures, uh, and when that didn't work, they would write poems. That's <laughs> actually the. That's actually the the true history of haikus. So here we're going to go ahead and play the trailer for Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, and then we will be right back. Coming this summer from Walt Disney Pictures. Up there, high, high in the dark bell tower, lives the mysterious bell ringer. Good morning. If I picked a day to fly, oh, this would be it. I'll be spitting feathers for a week. Well, that's what you get for sleeping with your mouth open. He lived a solitary life behind stone walls. Remember Quasimodo? Yes, Master. This is your sanctuary. Here it is, the moment you've been 
waiting for. Outside was a world he had only dreamed of. Look at that disgusting display. Yes, sir. Until he met Esmeralda. Well, you're not hurt, are you? No, no. By the way, great mask. The woman who would open his eyes to adventures he never imagined. Look, he's got a friend with him. Leave this place. You don't know what it's like out there. Nobody wants to stay cooped up here forever. Come with me. You're right. I'll go. Way to go, lover boy. A guy so swell. A guy like you. This summer, share the feeling. Wine, women, and some. Join the fun. Pour the wine and cut the cheese. Sit. Whoa, back here, gypsy. And live the adventure. What a woman. Arrest her. No. How dare you defy me? I think that cavalry's here. Walt Disney Pictures presents an all-new animated motion picture event. The story of one extraordinary human being. She's very lucky to have a friend like you. Discovering the magic within himself. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay, so that was the trailer for Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. You want me Notre to go Dame. first? You want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay, go ahead. You're, you're better at it, so we'll say that. I wouldn't say that. Five, seven, five, uh, syllable count, Japanese caveman poetry haikus, go. All right. Quasimodo sad. The bell ringer of Paris? Is he king of fools? Mine was a little <laughs> less deep. <laughs> hey, Quasimodo, who's that sarcastic gargoyle? It's George Costanza. <laughs> Which was the first thing I noticed and had to Wikipedia about the movie was that the voice of the gargoyle was, it, it struck me as one of those like, that's a familiar voice. Who is that? And if I would have thought about it a little longer, I'm sure I would have landed on George Costanza. But oh, yeah. right away, I, I felt the need to, to look it up. And sure enough, George Costanza provides the, there were three gargoyles and he was the witty kind of dullard one. Then there was a weird old lady gargoyle who had weird saggy stone boobs that <laughs> Laverne. Just, but but so did the other gargoyles. So it was like they I don't know exactly what they were trying to do there because it was a very noticeable feature in the gargoyles. But when she spoke, because she had an old lady voice and was drawn like an old lady from the neck up, it struck me as very much like, you know, two tube socks with tennis balls in them type boobs not to, not to bring it down yeah but obviously this is gonna be it's gonna be a sad one but uh she died during filming and oh they really had to find a somebody with a similar voice that could who was she like i, I saw her name and stuff i have no idea she, who that lady is uh she was in sister act she was the the carmungeny nun hmm. the one that uh whoopi goldberg takes over for the one that was not doing well running the chorus interesting she was also in white christmas as the uh general's wife Don't who's like one. trying to help out with the in in and now she's a gargoyle and now she's a gargoyle and then they had to find somebody that could mimic her voice to do and apparently there's a hunchback in notre dame notre dame I can, i'm notre dame mm-hmm. notre dame 2 which i have never yes out. i did notice that too and they're all back for it like it was straight to dvd but i noticed and this is one of the things we'll talk about that timmy moore was back for that which never i don't know has. why it strikes me as beneath her though what really has she done lately <laughs> that's of note fun piece of trivia yeah this is the second movie that demi moore dances in in 96 to entice men that's true 
<laughs> Though Burt Reynolds is not the um, the target of her uh, her seduction. No, R.I.P. Right, yeah, rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. So this show is designed to highlight movies that we feel kind of get a bad, I forget, is it rep or rap? We talked about this like every show, and I can never remember. Rep. Rep. Reputation. Rep. So in this case, like, the movie made money. I saw that it was kind of received favorable ratings by critics. But like I said, and I don't know, I was how old in 96? 15, so I probably wasn't too concerned with Disney at the time. But like this movie, I just completely forgot about until you until you mentioned it. And upon watching it, like I wouldn't even say this movie was not bad. I would say this movie was pretty good. This movie, that I, well, the reason why I floated is because I always say this is my favorite Disney movie of all time. Hmm. But it, actually, I want to do like a mini-sode coming up sooner or later about like the critics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't our most, depending on which critics that you look at, this isn't our best uh-huh. received movie. Right. Sometimes uh, Boiler Room right. surpasses it. Sometimes Small Soldiers or The Chase. Right, right. <laughs> The reason why this movie spoke to me, one, is Disney. So I do an after-school program with kids. And one day, every Friday, we show the kids a movie. And one day, I put out three films. I put out Enchanted. I put down Pocahontas. And then I put down Alice in Wonderland. And a fourth grade the boy, old one? The animated one? Yes. Oh. And then I don't necessarily like any of these live-action remakes. No. Well, I was bummed out, and I mentioned that specifically because I saw that it was on, what's ABC Family called now? Freeform. Freeform. I saw that, <laughs> I just saw the name Alice in Wonderland was on Freeform, and um, I was so bummed out to find that it was the live-action Tim Burton one instead of the animated right. one, which I love. I could talk about the, the hookah caterpillar, like, for days. <laughs> That's... I love that. They're so good. And, you know, so then I put all those three out and a fourth grade boy comes up to me and he goes, Mr. S., why why all girls why why can't oh, we yeah. get a boy movie and i was like that that's funny and i was like there are boy disney movies but they never got the recognition you mean boys as like the main protagonist yeah okay. the person that you're following so you got like hercules yeah you which I you know i forgot about that one too right and then you have uh what's the one with the two no that's dreamworks um lion king technically yeah but they're lions i mean aladdin too I'm just tearing apart your theory. You are. Never Sorry, mind. I'll stop. I, yeah, I guess I could do Boy Friday the next time. But uh, so Hunchback, the reason why it spoke to me so much is because back in high school when this came out, I did not like to go. I was very self-conscious. Mm-hmm. I did not like to go out. Like I felt like if I wasn't the first person at the party and the last one to leave, somebody was talking at, about me at that party disparagingly. Okay. That was like a form of my social anxiety, really, that I had. Okay. So to have a Disney movie where the main character, Frollo, was kind of like his, his, you know, his mental thoughts just bashing him down. Well, Frollo, so like explain, because I'm guessing that not a lot of people who listen to this show will have, some people probably have, are not familiar with not just the movie, but the story as well. So All right. Frollo is, so to start from the beginning, <laughs> if I'm recall, if I'm, if I'm quarterbacking this correctly, Frollo like he's like a judge. He's a judge in Paris. Right. He's the evil, evil bad guy, and he's terrifying to me. I thought he was one of like the scariest because he kind of. I, I feel like he approached the last human bad guy. I guess before this one would have been either. I guess it would have been Jafar. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Jafar was cartoonish in his appearance and in his. Well, his best friend was mannerisms, a parrot. and he had the parrot and all that. <laughs> before that, it was Gaston. 
who was a little more realistic, but still sort of like characterized in his like oafishness and dumb and all that. Right. But Frollo was a corrupt judge who was just wicked and terrifying, like to the core. Good morning, Quasimodo. Oh, good morning, Master. Dear boy, whomever are you talking to? My friends. I see. And what are your friends made of, Quasimodo? Stone. Can stone talk? No, it can't. That's right. You're a smart lad. Now, lunch. Shall we review your alphabet today? Oh, yes, Master. I would like that very much. Very well. A. Abomination. B. Blasphemy. C. Contrition. D. Damnation. E. Eternal damnation. Good. F. Festival. <coughs> Excuse me. F forgiveness. You said festival. No! You are thinking about going to the festival. I it's just that you go every year. I am a public official. I must go. But I don't enjoy a moment. Thieves and cut purses, the dregs of humankind, all mixed together in a shallow, drunken stupor. I didn't mean to upset you, Master. Quasimodo, can't you understand? When your heartless mother abandoned you as a child, anyone else would have drowned you. And this is my thanks for taking you in and raising you as my son. I'm sorry, sir. He was drawn in a way that was very unsettling. He was very, like... Like, I pictured him very much like if Ichabod Crane grew up, it would be... He would roll. And he just had, like, the bags under his eyes and the pointy nose and the, the voice. I looked up the, the voice actor, and it was somebody I didn't recognize, but the voice Tony was Tony J? Yeah, the voice was just really right on. And so, anyway, Frollo captures a bunch of gypsies at the beginning of the movie mm -hmm. and tries to execute them, or does execute them. Well, yeah, he... Captures them. Right. And then he kills Quasimodo's mother That's on the right. steps of the Notre Dame. On the steps of the cathedral. And the archdeacon or mm -hmm. the, comes out and condemns Frollo. And Frollo, through the fear of God, sort of adopts Quasimodo. He sends him to live in the bell tower, like as a baby. He it's says, like a half-ass adopting. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he, he, more, he more just sort of like... Quasimodo. He's like, I'll homeschool this kid, <laughs> but you like gotta that. house it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he sends him up into the bell tower with the archdeacon, like, still presiding over the cathedral, and then we fast forward, and Quasimodo's like 20 years old, and he rings the bells, he looks down on the people, and to be honest, I had not considered the fact that Frollo and all the terrible things he says and does to Quasimodo is representative of Quasimodo's own psyche. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense, because Quasimodo's very apologetic for Frollo, and and very innocent in terms of like trying to love him because he all he's ever knew. right and it's a very it's a <clears throat> it's a very abusive relationship and it kind of goes to show you how how people can be formed by the people that raise them absolutely like he's he's a very nice guy albeit you know he's not not the prettiest to look at quasimodo is neither is frollo like you said and then he just looks down on 
the city and he sees everybody and he sees everybody for what they are except for Esmeralda Esmeralda when he discovers her but every he's like I want to be out there I want to be where everybody is fighting and not getting along because you know what it reminded me of you remember how we used to watch the South Park movie in college like every day yeah it reminded me of the Satan song where he's yeah like up there where the flowers <laughs> bloom <laughs> that's what it reminded me of nice but um so yeah so Quasimodo looks down so Esmeralda and her like gypsy convoy show up. Well, Frollo has it out for the gypsies. He sees That's, them as freeloaders right, and thieves. Right. But somewhere in the story, he also becomes like super infatuated with Esmeralda. Right. And he sings this really weird song about her. Beata Maria, you know I am a righteous man. Of my virtue, I am justly proud. Beata Maria. You know I'm so much purer than the common, vulgar, weak, licentious crowd. Then tell me, Maria, why I see her dancing there, why her smoldering eyes still scorch my soul. I feel her, I see her, the sun caught in her raven hair is blazing in me out of all control. Hellfire. It's very yeah. It's a very very weird scene where he like sings in front of a fireplace and dancing shadows, and he's like because he's old. He's like picture him. He's like sixty or seventy, and she's probably like twenty or something like that. So it's a very there was a very there's again a lot of things to unpack. There's a part of like the old in the old book where the gypsies could dance and they could entrance you with spells and oh, okay. whatnot. All right. Um, and so when they're at the festival of fools. Esmeralda gets on stage and she does the dance where she, that's when she first, well, she shows Quasimodo kindness. Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden she's an angel oh, to him. Oh, that's right, because he goes down to the festival, like on his own. Right. right. The gargoyles tell him to go. Yeah, because he tells Frollo like, he wants to go to festival. And then, and Frollo's like, you can't go down there. You're right. ugly. You, you need to stay in here because this is where you're safe. Mm-hmm. And so Quasimodo gets told by the gargoyles who can move and... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I guess Frodo just assumes that Quasimodo's up there rearranging gargoyles. <laughs> True, yeah, okay. And so he goes down to the festival, and he gets, you know, of course he pick, chooses the wrong rope to swing from, and he gets thrown in front of the crowd and Esmeralda and everything like that, and she shows him kindness, but she thinks it's a mask. Right, that that part made me sad when she pulls on his face. <gasps> That's no mask. It's his face. He's hideous. It's the bell ringer from Notre Dame. Or no, when she looks at him and says, great mask, by the way. Because it's right at the end of this great interaction between them where she... It's almost more meaningful that she goes through that whole interaction and doesn't acknowledge his physical appearance. And then at the end, they punctuate it with, oh, by the way, great mask. So yeah, so okay, so... So, and then she dances Mm -hmm. at the festival, and that's where Frollo starts... His interest starts getting piqued. Okay. Because he's really... I mean, that guy is not a lover. (laughs) I mean, he's just like an old pervert right kind of yeah like he almost you know he wants to collect her that's where he gets entranced by her and then the third person the third guy that she has fallen in love with her is 
Phoebus, he sees her fighting the guards, and that's what he's like, oh, I like this girl. Right. I wouldn't even call it a love triangle because, like I said when we were watching the trailer, I think this is a movie that really, really hits home when it comes to anyone who's ever been put in friend zone. <laughs> I guess we can jump to the end where essentially, I mean, it's not a big surprise. The bad guy dies, and mm-hmm. he's, the, from what I recall, the third bad guy to fall off of a castle into a fire pit or something like that. That seems to be the only way Disney kills people. Right. Is what I'm At least this way, they like they super foreshadow it like throughout the entire film. Like, How did Jafar all, all, die in Aladdin? He's the one I can't remember. Jafar. Because I'm thinking of Gaston fell off the castle. Um, I see Jafar growing. Scar fell off the rock. He gets like thrown into the horizon, doesn't he? I don't know. So anyway, I was going to say, so the movie ends with, and this is, I guess, a nice way to do the friend zone dynamic, but it's sort of implied that the captain and Esmeralda are a thing now. Right. And Quasimodo, who's been like Esmeralda's BFF the whole movie, essentially. He Whiny BFF. Well, rightly so. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he... Um, He's not he's not involved with her, but he's accepted by the town, right? At, which is nice, which is a good sort which of which that's like, his arc, you know. That's what he wanted from the get. He I didn't guess want a girl. Point. Yeah, I guess that's that's a good point. He did not want he the girl the concept of a girlfriend was foreign to him, as opposed to the con being. So that's a good point. And the uh, the reason why I like when Phoebus ends up with her is because Phoebus is the only one that saw her for what she is. You know, like Quasimodo put her on that high pedestal that like is supposedly very dangerous to relationships because the person's never going to meet that that high goal. Frollo, of course, saw her as an evil, wicked woman that he just kind of wanted to do and smell her hair from behind. Right. Um, So he was like the creepy version. And Phoebus is the one that was like, oh, no, she is strong. She is powerful. She is witty. She is good hearted. Like, Mm -hmm. that's that's the woman for me. So the fact that she ends up with him, like home run, Esmeralda, good job. Okay, that's fair. That's a good analysis. I'm, um, I'm glad we're unpacking this. I'm hoping I that just I can... Felt, I just felt like when... like, And I, I saw it coming, and I was wondering kind of how they... Actually, I shouldn't say that. I was I was, I was, was intrigued as to how they were going to unwind this. I've never read the book. I'm kind of curious. Right, but me I, too. I was intrigued as to how it, if they were going to just take it full circle and he was going to end up with her. Or I guess my gut was leaning toward, yeah, she's going to end up with Captain, and um, Quasimodo's going to be like their little mascot friend, kind of, who's got what he wants. So, I don't know. This was the first Disney movie believed you not only have so many religious undertones but to do them not even undertones overtones i guess because it was pretty explicit right really really like paint the catholic church as like a source of fear and a source of both fear and redemption but also like like that was a bit the catholic church was almost a character in the movie right well and that's why not to jump forward to like reviews and whatnot but this is why they say a lot of that this movie went under the radar is because the church uh, tried to kill it the church said boycott uh, it um and interesting. so it wasn't it wasn't received positively by the religious figures because they didn't think that the religion although you know like god help the outcasts is i think one of my favorite religious songs <laughs> i don't know if you can hear me or if you're even I don't know if you would listen to a gypsy's prayer. Yes, I know I'm just an outcast. I shouldn't speak to you. Still, I see your face and wonder, were you once an outcast too? Hungry from the 
mercy they don't find on earth. Like I said, the religion in this movie is very. I mean, I, I read a stat. I think that like there are more mentions of like God and religion. And Damn and hell and hell and all that sort of thing in this movie than there were in the previous 33 Disney <laughs> movies combined. Which, when you think about it, I mean, Snow White isn't necessarily rooted in no Catholic. <laughs> you know, um, well, I mean, Catholic that could be settled. Like they always said, the apple that is offered is like ah, the Garden okay. of Eden. Yeah, I guess you could probably find some symbolism all over the place. But this one, they definitely you know swung for the fences. Yeah, and for the most part, they. I mean. They really captured probably what the sentiment was at that time. I mean, very extreme fear and of of God's wrath and all mm. that sort of stuff. Well, and so, apparently in the original novel, spoiler alert for anybody that wants to read the novel, maybe skip forward fair, fair, nice twice. Um, in the original novel, Frollo is a bishop, and right. so they were like, "Well, we don't want to make him that. We don't want to be that. You know." Harmogeny against the religious uh, yes, aspect, yes, so yes, they made yes. him a judge. Yep. Um, and going back to what you said before about how are they going to end it up, Quasimodo dies in the original novel at wow. the end. Well, I'm just <laughs> the final shot was going to include Esmeralda and Phoebus crying over their best friend as the people of Paris cheer for their success, unaware of Quasimodo's death. So, they, so in the and then fade out. <laughs> so yeah, fade to black. <laughs> Cue credits. Kids go home, cue, talk about it with cue, your parents. <laughs> cue Randy Newman title song. Who's Bambi? <laughs> so um, so in the book, they the, the townspeople don't even know he exists, or they don't even know he saved the day. They don't know he saved the day. Oh, that's terrible. So he never gets his redemption, I guess. You know, one thing I read, too, <laughs> upon diving a little deeper in here, was that Victor Hugo, the original uh, author of the, the, the mm-hmm. story, his, like, Great, 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 great grandchildren, like, came out and vehemently condemned this movie right. on the basis of like commercialism and blah blah blah. And I read that they there was some statement that they said where it was like how how tragic that such a work of art has been plastered with posters and blah 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 money this and blah blah blah. And then I read that they were like his, like I said, great 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 some nth degree great grandchildren. Mm. And I was just kind of like, shut the fuck up, right. <laughs> like, like, who cares? This Come is bringing on. more attention to the great work of art. That That's like did. me saying, "Oh yeah, George Washington is my cousin," <laughs> because on Ancestry.com I got a leaf like ten tangents. And in. how dare we soil his memory on the one dollar bill? Yeah. He is a great general. <laughs> that man is a hundred dollar bill worthy. We're getting off track. <laughs> so, so one of the things. Okay, so here's a question. So Esmeralda, I thought. There was a split second when I thought, wow, they killed Esmeralda because she, they painted her like, um, they, they drew her like she was blue and kind of like cold and icy mm-hmm. looking like she was dead. She didn't take water. He, he it, it was done in a way where like he goes to fight in the end battle at the church and sort of just leaves her and then comes back to tell her that they won. Right. And you don't, like you sort of lose track of her in that time. We've done it, Esmeralda. We've beaten them back. Come and see. Esmeralda, wake up. You're safe now. Esmeralda? Oh, no. 
how did she fall into that like coma? She got For burned. She got. She was about to get burned at the stake. Then she got rescued. And then next thing I know, she's like on a cot in the bell tower. I mean, that was just like smoke inhalation. Okay. And all that. So all right. So nothing out of the ordinary. No. So it was just like she was in shock. Oh, but I mean, this is where everything starts. I mean, there's a lot of like. What I like about the film is it goes from, and this is kind of Victor Hugo in general, because we just saw Les Mis last mm-hmm. night on stage. And there's a lot of darkness to him, but there's also, a, like, he does do a lot of, like, comedic relief in very strategic places. But when this film goes dark, there's no there's no coming back from it. <laughs> like, you got Jason Alexander floating around and everything like that, but as soon as he says, we're going to burn her at the stake, you're like, <laughs> Horrible as it was, I hope you can forgive me. There, there, Quasimodo. I know it hurts. But now the time has come to end your suffering forever. Now, <laughs> now, l- listen to me. Quasimodo? No, you listen! All my life you have told me that the world is a dark, cruel place, but now I see that the only thing dark and cruel about it is people like you! So, like, Topsy Turvy is a very funny run amok song mm. that they do at the Festival of Fools. Mm-hmm. And the festival is, that's <laughs> actually where they start pulling off people's faces to, right. because they're making silly faces and masks, and that's when uh, Esmeralda tries to pull off right, Quasimodo's right, right. face, and everybody's like, <gasps> it's, it's, not, it's not a mask, it's his face, and everybody's mm. surprised by that. And then Clopin, who's mm-hmm. my favorite narrator, who I actually will say is a better narrator and opener of a Disney film than Robin Williams in Aladdin. So, and then he's like, guys, this is, we wanted the ugliest person in Paris. This is it. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. meet your king of fools. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody is happy. And then one guard throws a tomato. Oh, yeah. And the that's crowd right. loses their shit. Yeah, that's right. That, <laughs> and, like, hog tie him down and everything like that. And like, well, this is what we're doing now. That scene bummed me out. There were two <laughs> scenes that really bummed me out. That was one of them, and the one where he, where Frollo ties him back up in the bell tower, but with chains, mm-hmm. like like a lot of chains, this like spider's web of chains that was so cat. But yeah, the part where they put him basically on a like a spinning platform and tie him down and, and just throw food, food at him. Yeah, that was that was messed up. And that's when Esmeralda shows up <clears> with her <throat> little knife, and she has a tete-a-tete with uh, Frollo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of where Frollo gets his infatuation from, is okay. because this woman is going to challenge him. Mm-hmm. And so he needs to pretty much conquer her. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, you know, he doesn't desire her. Like, he just, he wants to conquer her or kill her. That's very, that's very massive. And so one of my favorite parts of the film is that when he, when he's saying, you need to get down, you need to respect my authority. And she keeps talking, and he's like, silence! And she puts her hand in the air with the knife in it, and she goes, Justice! I'm like, oh, man. Don't be afraid. I'm sorry. This wasn't supposed to happen. You, gypsy girl, get down at once. Yes, Your Honor. Just as soon as I free this poor creature. I forbid it. How dare you defy me? You mistreat this poor boy the same way you mistreat my people. You speak of justice, yet you are cruel to those most in need of your help. Silence! Justice! (laughs) 
Mark my words, Gypsy. You will pay for this insolence. Then it appears we've crowned the wrong fool. The only fool I see is you. This is one of the first things that I texted you about when I said, isn't Demi Moore the Gypsy mm -hmm. lady? Do you think that would fly today, or do you think there would be a ton of backlash casting? Is Demi Moore? Yeah. Not Demi Moore, but uh, like a white actor. I mean, Gypsies are kind of like, they're Hungarian, aren't they? See, or I don't. I didn't, I didn't look into that too much. I would imagine that they came, I mean, Gypsy is like a traveler, right? So couldn't they come from anywhere? Yeah. Hungarian. I mean, the Spanish, European. 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 Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I suppose maybe, I mean, the way she was drawn, she was drawn with like darker kind of olive skin. Right. Yeah, she was very more Mediterranean. Yeah, so um, I, I, the first thing, that, I don't know, and I don't know why that was the first thing I thought, but like I, I, I could just see a huge, like pointless uproar over, oh, they were whitewashing the hunchback. True. But everybody's supposed to be Parisian. But again, she's a gypsy, so we don't kind of right. know where she comes from. Yeah, no. Unless they said it and I missed it. I do believe that uh, gypsies are Eastern European descent. I would, based on what I know from Borat, I believe that to be true. So, yeah. <laughs> That's where all of our knowledge comes from. <laughs> yeah, so, so what else was in this movie? Like, you mentioned, and I thought that this was um, rather poignant, you mentioned that this movie appealed to you because growing up sort of insecure in middle school and high school, and I can relate to that. I think I was more oblivious to sort of, like, how goofy I looked <laughs> as opposed to, like, concerned with it and bothered by it. And now... I, don't, I didn't say I looked goofy. I'm sorry, how goofy <laughs> I perceived myself say that because we didn't know each other until high school so i didn't know, right I don't, I don't know what you're dealing with in i don't think my i don't think my anxieties happened until i was about 16 years old okay so like sophomore junior year yeah okay and then that they really hit hard and so that's exactly kind of when this movie could come out and well that makes sense i'm i'm actually i i, I found myself because because we're both sort of in a situation we're going back to school one way or another and we're probably going to be interacting with people who with students who are there for the first time younger who mm -hmm. are where we once were and i find myself i'm in class with a lot of like sophomores freshmen and stuff like that and i remember how sort of concerned with that's that kind of stuff appearance and like the anxiety that came along with that i was maybe in the first or second year of college and now it's just like going into those classes like i could not bless a single thing <laughs> than just going in getting an a and like leaving to go have my life right and it's really i mean it's kind of i, I, won't, I don't want to like romanticize the movie too much and say oh, it spoke to me on that level but i'm definitely in a different place now and i suppose this is a good thing than i was in high school. yeah so true i suppose that's what you can hope for <laughs> in terms of in terms of when it comes to like you know some anxiety and perception there's a lot more just like don't give a fuck now than there was definitely in <laughs> well that's a good thing and possibly in college so i the, just think um, like before inside out dealt with mental I issues saw inside out i mean that one that i kind of am afraid to see inside it literally it's a sledgehammer over the head yeah. when it comes to like you know mental issues yeah where this one, I think this is the first Disney film that dealt with the inner turmoil of not fitting in. I kind of want to watch it again now that you said that Frollo represents Quasimodo's. Mm -hmm. I didn't pick up on that. And I don't know if that's, you know. Uh, no, I mean, even if it's not like what they intended, it's you could case for it. For right. Sure. Because like we said at the beginning, Quasimodo, like the, the thing with like depression and anxiety is that a person who has it, is, and I can say that they do, <laughs> a person who has it is very sort of apologetic to those demons or about those demons. And that's exactly exactly how Quasimodo was with Frollo like he didn't go so far as to say like oh Frollo's not a bad guy but he would kind of stick up for him he would assume that Frollo had his best interest in mind right and tried to make like he, he saw him as a father and even if your father or your caretaker or even your friend is like a piece of shit it's still your friend right it's still your person in your life that you care about and he just didn't know any better and I think like the song
song that stands out for me in this film is uh, is when they sing over each other. And, you know, Frollo's like, remember what I told you, Quasimodo. You are deformed. And he goes, I am deformed and you are ugly. And I am ugly. And these are things which the world show little pity. Remember what I've taught you, Quasimodo. You are deformed. I am deformed. And you are ugly. And I am ugly. And these are crimes for which the world shows little pity. You do not comprehend. You are my one defender. Out there they'll revile you as a monster. I am a monster. Out there they will hate and scorn and jeer. Only a monster. Why invite their calumny and consternation? Stay in here. Be faithful I'm to faithful. me, grateful, I'm grateful. To me. Do as I say, obey, and I'll stay in here. Like the fact that Frollo is almost speaking for Quasimodo, mm-hmm. you know, and and taking him over is horribly depressing. Yeah, that's that's. That's exactly that's that makes me want to like research more into the like the theme story because that's exactly what it is brain telling you all these lies mm-hmm. and that's exactly and that's, and that's he struggles really, with really it good. throughout the you know even when like like the, when he's having a, an attack of conscience and you know they're like well, Esmeralda needs you and she, he's like no she doesn't need me she's got Phoebus uh-huh. like you know like I'm just gonna stay in right I'm gonna just stay in my yeah. watchtower and let this all unfold and yeah man what I was bummed about because I'm a very when it comes to like being energized by something and then sort of want to like go down that rabbit hole i found myself wanting to acquire a quasimodo plush <laughs> doll uh-huh. for uh my shelf that will help me move later okay I alluded to that gotcha um and they're all terrible <laughs> and they're not they're just terrible because number one the hair on the and and anyone listening anyone still listening <laughs> i encourage you to go to ebay and check them out the hair is basically like fuchsia colored dreadlocks on the, the bulk of them it's not it's not the hair that he had in the movie i mean he was pretty much straight up ginger right and the hair is just really not represented. the other thing is it's one of those dolls that has like a plush body but a hard vinyl <laughs> and a right so that was that was a tangent but fun trivia is that phoebus's horse was named achilles oh there's a part where he says achilles heel right mm-hmm. that's the only reason why it was named achilles is because For the, that joke the writers love that joke <laughs> I mean, I get it. Not the best joke, but I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do. The horse was funny because he <laughs> commanded the horse to sit several times. The horse always sat on one of the guards' bases. Right. Disney does a really good job at horses and I horse play. I like a um, like a Mental Floss article or a Complex article about like the best horse. I, I feel like we could do that. I can only think of two right now. Achilles and... What about Frozen? Oh, yeah. Wait, wasn't Frozen a... There, I was, Sven was the moose, but there was the, the horse that... It was a horse <laughs> i don't remember i'll be honest i did not like frozen no not really i saw it and this happens to me a lot i saw it after the onslaught of hype that okay that preceded it and maybe it's my fault for jumping on it too late but when i saw it i was just kind of like i think it speaks more toward sisters you know because it's definitely a movie about sisterly love that's true i do remember walking down people are like oh my gosh that's like the first disney movie where it's not about you know the girl falling in love with the guy and da 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 and I was like, no, it's not jerk ass. Yeah, it's hunchback. Well, the 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 prince in that one was he turned heel, right? Like he was oh, yeah. a bad guy. Yeah, he was super bad guy. And that was like one of I remember when he was like, because nobody loves you mm-hmm. or something like that. I was like, wow, that's <laughs> so one of okay. the worst things I've ever heard of. So prince how did say. it go again? It went Lion King, Hunchback, Toy Story. No, I think what it, actually it was Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Tarzan. Oh, Tarzan. 
<laughs> Pocahontas, I forgot Pocahontas. And I think Princess and the Frog was after Toy Story because they were like, the no, Frog, we can yeah. still do animated. Yeah. And they were like, oh, I guess not. So this one, like I said, I thought was very... So back to kind of the crux of the show. Like, we, we always come in here and we basically like defend these movies that give a bad rap. And sometimes it's harder than others. Like Street Fighter, I'll certainly admit, not a great movie, but very, very dear to me and has certain redeeming qualities that a lot of people overlook. And it's, very, and it's fun. And it's fun. And like we could recommend it because when you put on Street Fighter and you just, and you watch, I mean, I will say Rod Julia is amazing oh, yeah. in that film. For sure. Um, you, you're going to have a fun time. Sure. So this movie though, like I wonder, and I guess the Catholic Church thing is probably a pretty big reason, but I wonder why else it didn't kind of strike the chord that Lion King. I mean, it was really intense. Like this movie, like for all, for all the, you know, like turmoil and struggle with like beauty and all that. Right. And the, the, the classism of a lad. Like this one just had so many different like flashpoints that the religion, there was self doubt, there was sacrifice and all this. Like that's a lot for a Right. Well and this was gonna be almost Disney's first PG rated right? uh, and it's it's funny because you <laughs> wanna say, well they didn't pull any punches with it, but in the same instance they wanted to kill Quasimodo at the end. <laughs> Um, the Disney people did? Yeah. Hmm. So they did pull punches, but I don't know if this movie, while I love it because it's an animated film, I sing Disney when I'm stressed or tired to make me feel better. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's a little piece of trivia for me. But this Disney film, I think, it didn't have as much humor and comedy and probably living animals hmm. as most. That's um, a good point. So, so the kids couldn't really. When everything started getting dark, you couldn't be like, "Oh, I hope the, I hope the zebras are okay." The you only know? thing, the only, the only animal that I recall other than the horse was the goat, and the goat really didn't do anything with the pierced ear. Yeah, bit of <laughs> trivia: the voice of the goat, also the voice of Megatron from the Transformers commercial uh, cartoons, <laughs> and by that proxy, the voice of Cobra Commander. I'm not saying IMDb trivia is always a good place to go because anybody could add to it, but this apparently is also the Disney film with the least amount of trees. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a great bit of useless information. Wow, that's that's like straight up Jeopardy right there. Um, but I do think when it got dark, it didn't really recover for the kids. I think the parents didn't like the, the political overtones. The fact that, you know, Frollo is sexually desiring Esmeralda. I mean, there's... Like, not even subtle about it. No. <laughs> like, he literally, he you know, he, he ties her hands behind her back and then sniffs her hair. They basically cut the scene of his... What's the song? Hellfire? Hellfire. They cut right before he goes back into his office and beats <laughs> off. Like, that, that, that was pretty intense. Yeah, and they I guess they had to keep going back and drawing her in the fire because it kept looking that she was super nude. And uh, so, like, you have to put clothes on Esmeralda hmm. and his... Um, now, she's not, like, when you see, like, a, there's a certain, like, roster of Disney princesses that you see, like, on merchandise and stuff like that. Mm. Like, when it's at Target, it's a t-shirt, and I'm a princess. It's right. all the Disney princesses. She's not on most... She's not a princess. She's just a gypsy. Oh, I guess that's and true. She marries a soldier, you know, so she's not Is becoming a princess. a princess. Although she... Was she a princess? Yeah, well, she was a, you know, she was an Indian chief daughter okay, so, so i guess you could kind of, kind of consider if, okay yeah i guess that's a good point if As the well, native americans people. knew monarchies she's a squaw <laughs> i believe is i don't know if that's is it true though squaw yeah i think squaw is uh it's either a female indian or a mother oh i didn't know if it was a tribe american or a mother native i will throw out there that i want january to be native american history month fair i'm so we've come from the hunch because I have no idea what squad Native is. American History Month. I think it's a good place to start wrapping things up. Uh, I think so reviews. too. Do you um, have any actually, n- well, the thing is, is this got positively 
positive reviews. So why are we doing it on the show then? We're doing it on the show because nobody's seen it. Okay, so we're spreading awareness. And this is because it's my favorite Disney movie. And every time I say, well, my favorite Disney movie is Hunchback of Notre Dame, people are like, oh, I missed that one. Uh, And I was one of those people until now. And so it's kind of like, then let's let's tell the world, go back, see Hunchback of Notre Dame, bite your inner demons Mm -hmm. with Quasimodo, Mm -hmm. and send everything into Hellfire. Mm -hmm. Burn Paris down. To enjoy the light. Help out your friend, even if he looks like Nickelback. And um... hey, At least he was a better blonde-looking prince than the beast turns into. We don't get many good-looking blonde princes. The resolution of Beauty and the Beast is one that I am not on board with. I will say because, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to us, but let's 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 backtrack the whole message. <laughs> We're not wrapping this up right well, now. Well, <laughs> I'll say this quick. Let's backtrack the whole message of beauty. What is it? That when you fall in love, you get beautiful. That's what it turns out to be. Right. But basically, we're told that real beauty and real kindness, real heart and caring is on the, and whole, if, the whole time because right. the beast is hideous. He's scary, but he's kind. He's gentle, so he's a good person. At the end, when he receives true love's kiss, what happens? He turns beautiful on the outside. So that entire Ish. lesson, Ish. well, he is not a good looking. Empirically beautiful, I suppose. This sort of Fabio-esque beauty. So that entire lesson is negated. Right. The second he turns hands. That's true. Now, on the other hand... She would have loved him as a beast, though. I think so, too. But that... And, again, I don't know the origin story or anything like that but like for me that basically is like however many minutes of real beauties on the inside real beauties inside and then psych now he's handsome and now assumedly, he's beautiful all over assumedly he's still a good person he's learned his lesson because he starts out the movie handsome, and then but he's a dick and then he turns into the beast and he sort of works on his character mm-hmm. and become more passionate and all that but then he's rewarded with the physical form he had at the beginning so for me that kind of i love beauty and i think that's probably one of my mostly because really? i love gaston <laughs> But that whole thing unravels for me. Not just because he's like Fabio, but also it just completely negates Shrek, on the other hand. What happens in Shrek? She stays an ogre. No, she turns into it. Right. She starts as oh, beautiful yeah, and she goes back. Cameron Diaz, and then she's originally an ogre. And then when Shrek sort of doesn't take too much stock in her physical um, fall genuinely, she leaves the change his appearance or whatever. Back to Shrek kind of got it right. Right. In That's DreamWorks. That's not Disney. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> in my opinion, I think Shrek kind of got the result right. I think so, what I don't like about Beauty and the Beast is there's nobody in that castle that isn't wasn't forced to be there. Also, when everyone turns back human, what do the Beast and Belle do about furniture? Because there's no more furniture in the castle. Because the wardrobe turns back into the fat opera singer. There has to be a lot of Lumiere awkwardness turns too. Back into the or the candlestick turns back into whatever he the sex crazed pervert Lumiere <laughs> that he was. So there's no more furniture. What? There's no more armoire. No more armoire. No more. Um, there was oh the the teacups and mm-hmm. the tea kettle so on. It's a small oh. it's a small sticking point, but it's one of those questions that you've got to ask. Like you go buy new furniture. Right. And what made people what they were? Oh, like why did they turn into a, clock a candlestick? And a candlestick. Yeah. I think that had a lot to do with their like at the end you sort of see their outward appearance resembles what they do. I think I don't remember. But like I understand the maid turning into a feather duster. That the made sense. Hot feather duster, you mean? <laughs> like the super hot feather duster from Beauty and the Beast? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like the the Bugs Bunny and girls clothes hot feather duster. I always felt bad for the clock because he had little stubby legs and he had a waddle everywhere. He would have been a good George. He was he he was very True. very consistent. Well, I think I mean pretty sure we talked it. We talked it out. I think so. I think um this this was probably one of this one we really kind of got deep in. I feel like I had a philosophical conversation with you. <laughs> like this this shit could have been done at a coffee house college. Well, I have coffee or at like a poetry. Bed. I think this is probably our funny enough because it's our first Disney, maybe our only Disney. 
is. I kind of want to get into a bug's life at some point. Ah, uh, yes. But uh, this was probably our least humorous yep. film. Yeah. Well, I guess that's pretty indicative of the podcast. Yeah, there wasn't a ton of humor other than one-liners here. Got the cheese joke there. Right. Not too like much that. gaiety. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot at his expense. Like the song that says, you know, you're shaped like a croissant. <laughs> And she might will, like uh, it. Yeah, and he was shaped like a croissant. I was like, they nice made, friends, they man. made sure to hit you over the head with that with that comparison by holding up a croissant right next to him. In case you didn't know yeah. what a croissant was. All right. So, any final thoughts? I'm I'm honestly, I've got this movie on Amazon for another day. I'm probably going to watch it again. I have it on DVD in case, you know, your <clears> rental <throat> expires. Final thoughts is just if you haven't seen it, Go watch it, and if you have seen it and you're like, I wasn't too keen on it, rewatch it and just and look at the because you might have went in thinking as I did with Inside Out. I went into Inside Out thinking I was going to have a nice, joyous Pixar time, and I it depressed the crap out of me, and I walked out kind of not liking it. If you did the same thing with Hunchback and Notre Dame, revisit it and just realize that this is not going to be nice, happy. This is friend zone Disney. <laughs> this, that's a good. Oh, that's a great term, friend zone Disney. It's like Disney that that is not gonna, while technically disney does not give you the disney feeling no it's not true love disney friend this zone is disney. friend zone disney. that's a great place to end because you just coined a completely new term i'm gonna go add that to urban dictionary right now <laughs> friend zone disney nice so i don't think we introduced ourselves at the beginning by the way i'm mc i'm spro all right so next episode is coming up next and until then <laughs> this has been the the second chance cinema of uh the hunchback of notre Dame. Dom. And even though we don't really need to say this because we both agree that it wasn't a bad movie, we're going to end the show. Yeah. I'll back up no game. Tom wasn't, uh, wasn't that bad. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame was produced by, duh, Walt Disney Pictures and Walt Disney Feature Animation. It was distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. Second Chance Cinema is a fan of the film and urges you to check it out. Closing credits music is from the film's soundtrack, The Bells of Notre Dame. Thank you for listening to this episode of Second Chance Cinema. If you have any comments, questions, corrections, or would like to recommend a movie for a future show, you could reach us at 2NGChanceCinema at gmail.com. We have a Second Chance Cinema Facebook group. You can find us on Twitter at MCNSpro, or check us out on Instagram at 2ND Chance Cinema. To help our little show out, please tell your friends about us. Leave a review wherever you listen, and be sure to subscribe and download each episode you listen to as those simple steps makes us much more visible in the universe, which makes these fine secret cinematic masterpieces more visible. And isn't that really the whole point? Now go on, and have a beautiful day, you wonderful person, you. Be like Quasimodo, and go out there, strolling by the sand. Enjoy your day out there. Like ordinary men who freely walk about there. That's it. That's all you're getting from me. That's Show Choir 21 years ago. <laughs> Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day.